nothing you build up stays. Everything you build up falls apart. Everything you create is destroyed. Everything you love you lose. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with any of those things. It means depending on them is not um, not reasonable. It's not beneficial. It doesn't help you. It's not a good long-term game plan. <laughs> so how that relates to this, why I relate that here is because uh, we can say well, next week we'll get it perfect. And so, okay, this will be perfect, but then something else will come up. Because you can't, nothing is stable. You can't build things up to be always this way. So, um, and, and more, you know, when, when you think you can, when, when, we, when we fall into this, this trap of finding stability, of permanence, of you know, contentment and control, uh, and it creates a habit, it creates a, a, an, an illusion in the mind. And so you, you're caught off guard when things change. So thank you everyone for coming. It's uh, quite a surprise. I thought Bonita might would come because she said she would. But uh, it's, uh, it's kind of answering the question on the short term anyway. Will people actually come out here? I'm not sure. I have to see how long the novelty of it lasts. I have to keep up, keep coming up with new things to, to say. So keep you coming back. First, something I've wanted to talk about and wanted to find the right sort of um, well, this is the right time to say it, to talk about uh, the things that we need to keep our community alive and, and functioning well. So we don't really have a community yet as far as people staying here. There's just the two of us right now. But there are lots more people coming. It's, it's something for us to think about in advance. Um, there's these things the Buddha called the sar Saraniya Dhamma which are the dhammas that um, lead us to think of each other, or lead us to um, to be in each other's thoughts. So to lead us to want to, to, to commune together, you might say. Maybe saraniya has to do with the word commu commune, it's a sense of communicate, because sarana, it, saraniya means uh, dhammas that make you want to think of each other. But it's a colloquial usage. The, the meaning is that uh, lead us to, to commune or to, to be communal, lead to communal harmony. That's the meaning. There are six of them. The first three are, are metta, that we should do things. Our bodily actions should be ones of, out of love for each other, out of Friend, friendship for each other, friendliness. So we should act in such a way as to create communal harmony, helping each other, as the Buddha said, when, when there's things to be done, helping each other do them. When you see someone else has something to do, to ask if you can help and to get involved. Um, and speech, the second one is speech that is friendly. So not just our actions, but our speech should be um, 
not designed to uh, create conflict, our speech should be designed to create friendship and to create harmony. And even our thoughts, we should, when we're alone and thinking of other people, we should be quick to discard thoughts that are unfriendly and cultivate friendliness. So these three are body, speech, and mind are, are the three doors. And it's, a, it's, it's one of those core teachings of the Buddha that he, um, he uses in many different contexts. But one of them is here in, in, in talking about um, how to maintain communal harmony in terms of cultivating friendliness, metta. So even in our in our thought, I mean, this is normally we think of metta as something you do when you're alone and and you you, you send love to to all beings or when we sit in meditation. But it's actually something that that should be cultivated throughout our lives. It's a protection for our 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 pra uh, practice on the path to become enlightened. If we don't, if we're if we're unfriendly and we we create disharmony, and of course, it obviously makes problems for us. But so, so it's not a it's not a subtle or a, a esoteric teaching, but um, easy to lose sight of it. Nonetheless, even though we know these things, it's always good to have these reminders. Something this is something that we should always think of. Another way you could translate sadhana means dumb is that you should think of, you should not forget these ones, because if we forget these things, they'll uh, they'll lead us to. You know, they lead to, to tension, quarreling in the in the sangha. I just tell this story. It's 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 in, uh, instructive. There were these there was this in the Kosambi, I think, was the place. Uh, these monks in a large monastery, and there were two teachers. One of them was teaching the vinaya, the 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 discipline for the monks. What are the rules that they have to keep, and so on. The other one was teaching the sutta, which is uh, the the Buddha's teaching on meditation and like this sutta that we just recited, and so they had they, you know the, when you study the suttas it's you get a different kind of feeling for things than when you study the the vinaya the discipline, and so the, the disciplined monk he was always on the watch for for people breaking the rules, and uh, one time he was going to the washroom and the, the sutta monk the monk who taught the suttas was coming out of the washroom and he saw that he had left some water. In a dish in the in the bathroom, in the washroom, and he he said uh, you left water in the washroom. He said, oh, and he said, yeah, that's that's an offense, you know. And the other monk says, oh, well, then then let me confess it to you, because you have to do it when you when you commit an offense. It's not like you go to jail or something. You, you just you know as a um, kind of a ritual to 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 reaffirm that you're not going to do it again you have to confess it you say okay well then let me do the confession kind of like it's catholicism no but uh, you just find a monk and you confess i did this and so on uh and he says but but if you didn't the, the winnie monk says but if you didn't mean to or if you didn't realize it or something there was some stipulation that if x then it's not an offense and he says oh well then all right and he walks away And then the the Vinaya monk, I guess he's the he's the culprit here. He goes back to his students, and he's teaching them. I guess probably he was like he was giving a class, and he gives us an example. You know, the Sutta monk, for example, still has an offense that he hasn't confessed. 
and his students heard this and they went and told the sutta monk students, your teacher still has an unconfessed defense. They told the teacher and the teacher said, he's a liar. <laughs> and they went back and told his students that your teacher's a our teacher said, your teacher's a liar. And immediately there was a schism, or not immediately, but gradually, no? there was step by step by step, there was a schism and the, 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 the monastery split into two parts. And not only did the monks split up, but the lay people who were supporting the monastery split into two factions. And the angels who were guarding the monastery split into two factions. And they split into two factions all the way in the whole, uh, maybe it was all the way up to the Brahma world, the, the God realms, I don't, I don't know. And uh, the Buddha tried to, to strike, re you know, bring reason to them, and they, they told the Buddha to keep out of it, basically. And so the Buddha went away and stayed in the forest. Uh, but these kind of things happen, not maybe to that extent, but uh, certainly I've been in places where this sort of thing happens. Uh, it's easy for one thing to lead to another, and so thinking about these things and trying our best to... There's, this is why in Vinaya, it's, the Vinaya is interesting to read, people think, ah, oh, it's just a bunch of rules, but no, there's, there's a whole detailed uh, list of, of practices designed to... Um, pr designed to rectify a schism in the sangha, where, you know, you 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 look look at the other faction, and you think who in the other faction, who in my uh, the oppo the opposing faction would would be most likely to listen to me, and you go and find that person, and you go and say, look, can we talk about this? Um, you know, so many things. The lay people are are like instructed to you no. Know, how does it go? There's so many things about uh, you know not not giving you know be be careful not to give to the wrong person not, and anything to instigate the schism, anything to create more to put more fuel on the fire. These are the practices that we should think of if we have friendliness in our minds and we think you know what what is really important here, and most important if we remember that people are human. One of the the worst things that you find in monasteries is we expect everyone to be enlightened. And uh, that's the killer. That's the biggest killer. You can't accept faults in other people. These people are corrupt. They're not really practicing. They have these. They're doing this wrong. They're doing that wrong. Without without seeing the long-term picture that they have, you know, that, that no one in this world is entirely evil. Uh, even Devadatta was uh, the Buddha's cousin who tried to kill him. The Buddha, you know, didn't... Uh, is it recording? Yeah. Even... Uh, you're playing with it, no? Okay. <laughs> Just leave it, dude. Meditate. <laughs> um, well, we missed the last... Yesterday morning's TED Talk wasn't recorded. So. You have to tell me. If it doesn't get recorded, just say, it's not recording, and then we can start again. This is recording, so we'll cut that part out. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> part of samsara, you see? Reality television, that's what we're living really. We're living in reality television. This is this, this you know, because on the one hand, being reborn is, is, is wonderful. Having eternity to figure things out is just so liberating in and of itself. Um, 
I was I took a Buddhism course in university with some friends who were Catholic. And one of them came up to me after one of the classes and said, "It's amazing this idea, just this unheard of concept that you get a second chance." <laughs> and not just a second chance. You have eternity to figure things out. You can't get a better deal than that. You know? If you look at all the religions as like like deals, you know, which, what's what's the the best thing you know that that you that be, what's the best thing there is to offer? The best is this is this is a great thing. And and this is what I mean by television. You see, because there's no game over. It's not really. Uh, a problem. Have you ever read these books by uh, Johann? No, what's his name? The Bach guy. What's his? What's his? No, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. You know these books? Richard Bach. That's his name. He wrote one called Illusion. Uh, I don't remember what it was. Illusions, I think, was one. And he meets this master who just tells him that everything is. You can you can do whatever you want. He said. And, it actually is not a Buddhist philosophy. His philosophy is not Buddhist philosophy, but he's on this—he's on the right sort of track. That really, it doesn't matter. Um, of course, it would matter if you know you think there is only one chance, and you know, what if we're wrong? And you know, the Christian God is waiting to decide whether we go to heaven or hell for eternity. Well, then, then there's a problem. Um, so, but having having studied and, and, and examined reality and come to see that, well, it doesn't seem to be that way. It seems to be continuing. It seems that experience continues. And people who have out-of-body experiences, people who have near-death experiences, who, who see that, well, there's, there's something more than just this one life. Yeah, what that is, we don't know. But anyway, uh, the idea of, it seems more likely that there is eternity than, than there is some finite limit to the universe, because anything, well then what's after that? Mm -hmm. right? So once you can, once you get this idea of, of having eternity, you really can't fail. Oh, that's, uh, something that is really Buddhist is if you ever saw that movie Groundhog Day. Mm. didn't see it. Groundhog Day. Bill Murray? Excellent movie. I think it's very Buddhist. And this was way before I was a monk, so I'm allowed to talk about it. I didn't watch it while I was a monk. Um, every day he wakes up in his Groundhog Day, because you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's a nasty person. He's like Bill Murray at his best, you know? nastiest of the nasty. And uh, he's a newscast. He goes, and, he goes to take news of this Groundhog, seeing his shadow or not. And he's just a jerk, and, and then he wakes up and it's, still ground, it's Groundhog Day again. And then again, and again, and again, and he commits suicide, and he does everything, and none of it works, until finally he becomes a nice guy. This is, you know, actually how, how, how reality is. We do have eternity, and we can do what we want. Um, not in the way that I think was presented in this book, Illusions, but... You know, there, there are qualifiers to this. If you're, if you're a mean and nasty person, you don't, you don't wake up Actually, Groundhog Day is, is not is problematic there, right? You don't wake up and get a second chance. No, if you're a really bad person, you you, you go down. You uh, you eventually have the chance to come back. Is is sort of what I'm talking about. 
you can go to hell. We, we have this uh, belief, I guess you could say, in, in, in hell realms, but it's based completely on you know, the state of a person's mind that leads them there. Some people die and you think, well, if, if there is an afterlife, he's not going up. <laughs> that person is, is heading there. Like, like the Buddha said, if you see a person walking down a path directly towards a pit full of burning hot embers, you think, well, if that guy doesn't stop, it's, there's, not, there's no destination for them except that pit flowing full of burning hot embers. And that way you can, you can be a pretty good judge that if there's an afterlife, that person's not going up. That kind of thing. And if they are going up, I want to go down. <laughs> anyway, but there they are. So these three are, uh, anyway, talking about the Sarniya Dhamma. Um, these are a means of cultivating um, or cultivating harmony in the community so that we don't have to wander on anyway, got a little bit off track there the, the other three are uh, sort of additional but things that we, that we should consider uh, the, the fourth one is that we share things so as a community when things come into the monastery you know, we make sure that everyone gets uh, a portion. It, 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 this is particularly, you know, the, the explanation of it is designed for monks. When a monk goes in the village on alms round, he should come back and should share it with the other monks if if they didn't get anything. You know. They should think like that, think of, of sharing first. Mahasi Sayada goes into some detail about this one, not exactly this one, but this concept, that if someone really wants to cultivate the perfection of generosity, as a monk, then when they go out on alms run, they have to give, they, they should give all of their food to the old monks, to, to, to the monks in the monastery who aren't able to go out on alms round or weren't able to get enough food to eat, and then go out again for them for himself, uh, and, and do that and go out a second time and do that until they get enough food for, for everyone else, this kind of sacrifice. And he talks about the various uh, extremes that people can go to with this. Um, in terms of kind of like self-abnegation or self-sacrifice for the purpose of cultivating a perfection, becoming a Buddha, for example. But um, sharing is obviously, you know, not, not keeping things to yourself, not creating jealousy, um, making sure that everyone is take, taken care of. It's, it's how society works. So why is society, why is there crime? Buddhism is maybe a little bit simplistic, but seem, you know it's obviously one of the main causes of poverty. There's this nice story about how in ancient times the kings, one of the suttas, in ancient times the kings reigned by, they were kings, and they would reign by the Dhamma. So they would rule by the Dhamma, which means they would be righteous. They would, they would take care of everyone in the, in the country, and they would distribute, distribute alms to anyone who was poor, if there were crippled or, or disabled people, everyone would get. So they were socialists, basically. They would take care of everyone. Everyone was well taken care of. As a result, there, was no, there were no problems in the... There was no unrest uh, in the cities. And uh, this went on for some time until... No, and what, then what would happen is when the king got old, 
when he saw that he, he saw his first gray hair, he would go off into the forest and live as an ascetic. And his son, I mean, it is patriarchal, I guess. But maybe they were female. But this, anyway, the story is patriarchal. Um, go off in the forest, and his son would come up as king, and then would go into the forest and ask his father, "How do I? How do I? What's the correct way to be a good king?" And the king would, uh, the ex-king, the old king, would explain to him, "You know, this do like this, do like this, don't like, don't do this, don't do this." And he would listen, and he would go back, and he would carry on the tradition. And this went on for generation to generation after generation, until one king went off, and his son comes up, and his son says, Why should I go see my father? I'll do what I want. You know, I know how to rule. He broke the tradition. And because of breaking that tradition, he didn't distribute alms. He didn't think about the, the poor people. And this the story. It's a really interesting story. Um... Someone steals something, and so they bring him before the king, and and he says, "Why? What, is it true that you stole?" "Yes." "Why did you steal?" "Well, I have no food to eat." Oh, "Well, we'll give this man some food." And you know, he, this is not addressing the problem. This is a band aid. So I give the man some food. The man, oh, happy. He goes and tells his friends, "Yeah, I stole, and they gave me some food." Mm. "Really?" So they go out and steal. I've got no food, I'll go out and steal, come back. Uh, did you steal? Did you steal? Yes. Why did you steal? Because I don't have any food. I don't have any food. Mm, this is going to be a problem. Kill this man. Uh, this will stop people. So he killed, this, he killed one man. Another person steals. Bring him in. Okay, did you steal? No. <laughs> he lies. <laughs> And then another one comes, did, did you steal? No, I saw him steal. Witness. Off with his head, kill him. Okay, look, when we, kill when, we steal when we steal from people, we're going to have to kill as well. So then when they stole, they would kill the people that they stole from. And you see how it gets worse and worse. This is how the this, this sutta goes. The Buddha is telling a story of the past. Uh, so then they would, they would, you know, they would be armed robbers. And, and so people would carry swords as well to protect themselves. This is what we see in America, right? You need guns to protect yourself from the robbers. Oh, it's gotten to that point. This is a, these are danger signs. So this is what we're seeing. For example, I, don't, I shouldn't talk about this country or that country, but what we're seeing in the world now is these kind of things coming up where danger signs. First one is poverty, and then you see theft and you know, crime. Eventually, people are so afraid of crime that they start carrying weapons themselves. This is a bad sign that things have gotten quite bad. So, on a micro scale, in the monastery, in the Buddhist community, this is very important. Um, that we take care of each other. And uh, so... Um, also, another thing might be to be content with what we have. It doesn't mention it in here, but in good way. The opposite side is if someone does start, um, if, if someone does get something and doesn't share it or so on, is to be content and to be be comfortable. But no, but no. But actually, what I was thinking is when you don't get enough, when there's when when everyone doesn't get enough. So in the, some days maybe food is there, there's not quite so much. And everyone gets a little bit. Is to be content with that. That's very important as well. Maybe not so much for communal harmony.
Anyway, I'm not going to add things to the Buddha's list, but uh, contentment is important. So we, the, the point is you have to share. Well, and it makes it easier to share as well when you're content. If you think, well, I've got just enough for me, how can I share it with other people? But they've got nothing, or they've got less. You, th this is this is quite common. This I've been through. You, you know, some places I've been. You know, I get food and you know, have to share it with my meditators. And you know, you always, what you do right away is you think, well, I'll give them the best stuff because I can put up with this crappy food. Give them the best stuff. So I always get the things like this. This is, you, you get a feeling for this. This is not. Uh, I think it comes naturally to people, especially when you're meditating. To give and to share. Um, number four, number five is that we should have morality in line with each other. And this is a bit of a difficulty because monks have a, one set of morality and lay people have another set of morality. Um, but we can talk about this on a basic level in terms of the eight precepts that. Um, we're asking everyone who comes here to keep the eight precepts during the time that they're here. So if you come in the evening, don't bring food and don't eat food because that's part of the monastic tradition. So if some people come in and they, they're, you know, they're sitting in the kitchen eating or cooking or whatever, or even eating donuts or, or you know, whatever, something that they bring, and then the meditators see that, you know, it, it, it can create discontent with their meditation. Um, but as far as the community goes, not keeping the rules is an incredible uh, drain on the harmony, a strain on the harmony of the community. When people are not not are immoral, when when we're lying and you know obviously these bad ones, but um, even in terms of not keeping the same sort of practice, like uh, if someone is talking a lot. This is what you find in a lot of meditation centers. Someone will sit around talking and engaging everyone else in chatting. That's high, doubly important in a place like this because we don't have even have our own buildings. In the places I've been, we always give the meditators their own building, usually. Their own little kuti, their own bathroom. Now we have to share the bathroom if people are not moral and like stealing each other's toothbrushes. It gets pretty hairy. So morality that is uh, that is in line, that is unblemished. You know, everyone keeping morality unblemished, keeping the eight precepts, keeping monastic rules. This is very important. It, uh, on another level, in terms of keeping our minds at rest, keeping us from getting uh, giving rise to jealousy, giving rise to anger, giving rise to arrogance and conceit. This all can come this all comes from immorality. Even just um, not guarding your mind and giving rise to immoral thoughts um, can lead us to fighting and so on. Because it all comes from a cause. If you're not if you're not getting annoyed and if you, if you don't have this annoyance in your mind, you'll never fight. And number six is having views that are in line with each other. So having uh, alignment, harmony of views, harmony of morality and harmony of views. Meaning the same sort of goals and beliefs and practices. Um, 
which, you know, at this center, for example, we ask that meditators who come follow the same practice. I mean, I know Lama Jerry does that as well. He has the, you know, Anapanasati. So when people come here, because if, if they're doing different practices, it leads to, different, to disharmony, you know. And, and if someone comes, once had a woman come and start distributing books on uh, Tibetan Buddhism at our, our Insight Meditation Center, and I said, Do you know the rules? This is, you know, we're. Maybe there's nothing wrong with it, but this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't even wonder distributing books about Theravada Buddhism. This, we're doing a very specific practice here. Um, so having, having the same, you know, I mean, you, you, you have so many. For in Thailand, for example, you have a thousand different meditation centers. And some of them get along really well, like uh, different traditions get along really well and, and can actually meet and can talk and so on. But some of them are, are intentionally divisive and will go around talking bad about other centers, saying this center is like this, this and oh, and, and, and so on. And, you know, public, publicly. So when they give a talk, they'll say, you know, this meditation technique, they think like this, like this, and it's all wrong because of this and this and this. Which is not really the point. I mean, why don't you mind your own business? Why don't you stick to your own, your own thing? So harmony doesn't come from everyone doing the same practice in all centers. But in each center, first of all, doing a single practice. And second of all, sticking to that practice. Don't go sticking your nose in other people's business. I've heard talks in Thailand just trashing. Well, not trashing, but... Um, you know, saying they say it in a very polite way, but clearly saying, you know, this is wrong, uh, and you know, it's directed towards another meditation tradition. So, so harmony can exist with with different meditation groups, but not in a, not in a, not in a single monastery. This, this is the, this is the only point that in one center we practice one meditation technique. As an example, it's not just the meditation technique. The point is that people don't have... The real point here is actually that people don't have wrong views. So if members of the community start to cultivate wrong views, this creates disharmony. Views are very important. If people start um, believing in the, the benefits of sensuality, that sensual pleasure actually is satisfying and does lead to contentment and so on, if people start to get the idea that there's nothing really wrong with a little bit of fighting and you know, there's nothing wrong with bad deeds or so on, that they think there's nothing wrong with, wrong with being lazy and so on, all, you know, getting getting all sorts of bad ideas. Um, no, but what I was thinking is you get this, I've had this before, where meditators will start reading books. Um, you know, they do a meditation course and so they're not reading, but then when they finish the course they start reading books from other in Theravada Buddhism, other meditation groups. And of course, these are the ones that trash talk our tradition, right? And, and so eventually their mind is like, which one's right? I don't know. And, and they, they, they wind up leaving. I've had this before. So that's a perfect, that's exactly what the Buddha is talking, and it, and it, talking about. And it, has, it happens when people start listening to too many different teachers and getting too many ideas, because I don't have anything to say about those other traditions. I've, I've, I've discussed them, 
um, where they talk about our tradition. You know, I absolutely what they're doing is fine, but stop talking trash about. You know, stop saying it's it's the only way, and it's it you know, has to be like this, has to be our way. I don't say it has to be this way. I just say if you're at my center, it has to be this way. You go to their center, it's fine. Do it their way. Maybe it's better. I'm not the Buddha to say. But this, the, for communal harmony, you need some cohesion. You need everyone to be um, marching in step. <laughs> you have to... Uh, kind of cultish, I guess, is, is you, know, you have to be like a cult. No. <laughs> Outside information is bad, kind of thing. No, there's one aspect of that that seems probably kind of cultish. But um, for communal harmony, no, the point is stick to one practice. If you don't like it, go somewhere else, that's all. That should be how it is. That's how it should be. So... Those are that's communal harmony, and that's quite a bit of talking. I think I can stop now. But uh, I did want to talk about the sutta that we discussed because it's it should be a good segue into our meditation. How how was the sutta? Did it sound beautiful? Uh oh. You know why? Because this is all about how the ear is on fire. The ear is on fire. The eye is on fire. Everything's on fire. The, the, the I, I point this out because the things we're chanting are not just um, random and it's not just ritual. We're chanting these things because they're actually very important for our meditation practice. So for most of the new, most of you, it's not that useful because you're just struggling to get it or not struggling and just listening. Um, but for me and for the monastic community, it's quite useful for us to remember and, and think of these things, because you know I, I can read the Pali. So the Buddha says, the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, and the mind are on fire. And sights, sounds, tastes, feeling, tastes, sights, sounds, smells, tastes, feelings, and thoughts are on fire, and the feelings that arise based on them are also on fire. And they're on fire with two different things. It's on fire with the defilements, with with lust, with anger, with um, and with delusion. So what does this mean? It means that, no, and 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 they're on fire with old age, sickness, death, and so on, suffering. So what this means is that all of our suffering. It's just pointing out that all of our suffering comes from somewhere. It doesn't just arise out of thin air. Without seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, and thinking, no suffering would arise. We cultivate first the addiction to certain experiences. Well, suppose we become attached to someone, and so we 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 uh, cling to this person, and then they they leave, or they change, or they pass away, and and then we suffer. Our suffering is coming from the uh, experiences that we have and the memories that arise. It can be arising in the mind, or it can be, you know, they were nice to us before, and now they're, they're saying nasty things to us. So we get upset about that, because we, we expect it to be otherwise. This means the, eye, the ear is on fire. When we chant and it's beautiful, and then you, you like the, the sound of chanting, then when you go out and you hear, 
unpleasant sounds, there arises. So because there arises the desire for the pleasant sounds, there's the aversion towards the unpleasant sounds. It means you're not balanced and not seeing it what it is. It means there's a fire there. Whatever suffering arises in the world, it, it, it comes from these things. When we see something we don't like, when we hear something we don't like, we can even become self-righteous about it. This is the moha, a delusion. We think, I don't deserve that. This person's talking trash to me. Which is really a useless statement to make because, okay, you may not deserve it, but that doesn't really help anything. This is ego. It's self-righteousness. It, it doesn't help the situation to... Well, some people think it does, I suppose. Standing up for yourself, right? Standing up for yourself is one thing, and in fact, it, the Buddha recommends it. He says when people, but it's not standing up for yourself, we're, we're misunderstanding the point. Defending yourself is important. When someone says, uh, why did you do this and do this? It's important to say, I didn't do that, if you didn't do it. You know, to be clear, what is the truth? But that's, that's a whole different thing from standing up for yourself and getting angry and saying, how dare you, how dare you? Which may be correct, yeah, how dare they, but... The anger is creating conflict. You don't win that way. You don't put out the fire by feeding it, you know, by creating more anger, more conflict. So um, to the extent that you can defend the truth, that's, that's a good thing. But the anger is the fire is not helping. It's creating suffering for you and it's creating conflict. But so much of our of of our suffering could easily be avoided if we just saw these things for what they are. You know, when someone's yelling at you and you know, here we go again and you just say hearing, hearing. And so the whole of the the input is is just um what's the word? Falling flat is is not creating anger that whole time. So that when you take your turn to speak, there's no build-up of anger. There's no um, reactivity. And so your speech is, it surprises you. I'm, I'm explaining because it surprises you. Hearing, hearing, you think, well, what's that going to do? And then you do it. And then when you talk to them, you think, wow, I'm calm and I'm you know, rational. I'm not fighting with them anymore. This is the meaning of fire. You know? Because... It's on fire with, with the, the uh, defilement, the, the, the judgment. There's nothing wrong with hearing. No? Hearing is neutral. But when you f judge it, when you say that's true, that's false, that's good, that's bad, that's right, that's... then you create suffering and create conflict. When you know it's just sound, it's just sound. And then you can engage with it as you like. If you want to ignore it, you can ignore it. If you want to respond to it, you can respond to it. The same with sights and sound, sights and smells and tastes and feelings and thoughts and even pain and, and aches and so on. Pain is a great one that, that, to to practice on. When you see it simply as pain and not as good, not as bad, not as a uh, problem, then you're amazed at how much pain you can actually tolerate without becoming upset. So this sutta is quite important, talking about, reminding us about where the fire comes from, where suffering comes from. We don't have to suffer because of the world. We don't have to suffer 
um, because of our experiences, because of our interactions with the world around us. We can be above them. We can be free from the, um, the fire. That's what it means. And that's what he gets to at the end. He says, you become... And, and the, key, the key to it is, is in the second part, is you become bored of it. Um, the, the translation isn't exactly bored, but that's basically what it means. Is the, the idea is you don't... It's not that you reject the world or you reject anything. You don't even reject the negative states. You don't say, no, bad, anger is bad, no, greed is bad, desire is bad. You just get bored of it. You say, well, this isn't helping me. You know. the, the, most, the best way to overcome addiction is to get bored of it. It's the, the, the most sincere way to be free from uh, addiction, to be free from aversion, to be free from conceit and arrogance and so on. It's not to hate yourself. It's not to be upset at yourself. To overcome fear, phobia. It's not to be angry or be upset that you're afraid of things. It's to get bored of it and say, well, yeesh, I'm not benefiting from this. You know? And how do you see that through the meditation? This is why we meditate. To simply see that this, we're, 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 it's like banging our heads against the wall. You actually see that. You see that this is basically like banging your head against the wall. It's futile. It's an exercise in futility. And so you become bored of it. And when you become bored of it, you let go. When you let go, you're free. When you're free, you say, I'm free. Katang karaniyang, done is what needs to be done. Usitang brahmachariyang, lived is the holy life. There's nothing left to do here. So nothing left to do except meditate in harmony. So we'll try to do a half an hour now of sitting and then we'll dedicate our merit. <laughs>